There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. And with me today is David Strickle. Hi, David. How are you, Gary? Good. As you know, I uh, channel Joshua and David channels the stream. And we met because we're both on the Law of Attraction radio network. We both have podcasts there. And we've known each other for about a year now. Uh, almost a year. I think we yeah. probably met about September of last year. Yeah, yeah. And we got to go on the cruise together and actually meet in person, which was a blast. Can't yeah. Wait something else like that soon. We uh, were on the Law of Attraction cruise and we did a dual channeling session, which was unlike anything I've ever seen before. And it worked out so great and people were totally into it. It was fun. Yeah, no, it was uh, very, I don't think anybody's ever done that before. So yeah. it was the first time, um, you know, I, I don't I know, know of any two channels that got together and did like, like that. And the interesting thing was, is watching it back, how the messages are so complementary but not identical and the flow of the energy and the energy was off the charts in that room that day for sure. Yeah, so. it was the culmination of five days at the Law of Traction cruise and, and Dave and I did the last day. And I started off with a uh, PowerPoint presentation about the Law of Attraction and then David channeled and then we both went on stage and channeled together. And so one person would come up and sit in the hot seat and ask their question, and then Joshua would answer, and then and then a stream would answer, and then another person would come, and then the stream started, and then Joshua started. And I didn't know how it was going to work, but it it was so cool how it did work. And just like you said, it was two complementary perspectives, but yet they were coming at it from different angles. And so today I thought we would just, uh, you know, normally we take someone's question who writes in and, and then we channel our answers um, in typing and then read our answers back. And today I thought we would just talk about, you know, what is the, uh, where is the law of attraction today? And it's come a long way. You know, I think that a lot of people got the first glimpse of what the law of attraction was from the secret which was very general and missed a lot of marks, but got me involved. And then I found Abraham where most people, most people that come to Joshua, I don't know if it's true with you, have spent some time in Abraham. And Abraham is like this big bubble that allows a lot of people to come in. And you don't have to really get it yet, but you, you sort of resonate with what Abraham's saying. And then you, and then, and then people just, keep going and going and going. And some people are into Abraham for years. Yeah. Well, you know, my experience was very similar. I, yeah, I, um, I understood law of attraction because the stream has been coming to me my whole life. You know, I had a very difficult childhood and the stream is the thing that kept me going as a child. You know, my parents, they abandoned me, but they didn't abandon me, which was almost worse. You know, my mother stuck around, but she wasn't available to me in any way emotionally, but I wasn't lucky enough to get out and go into foster care or have some other adult around me that cared, you know, so I was really left to my own devices. And I remember, uh, you know, as a teenager, the first time I really understood the law of attraction was at 14. This was in 1982, way before the secret, before I read, you know, any other books that have been written about it before that. And I just knew, you know, it was just back then it was for me, the stream was just a knowing that, wait a minute, you know, I'm not happy in my life. I'm really poor. You know, I live in this roach infested apartment with my minimum wage mother and it's not a great life but I know I'm more than this and I know I can have more than this. I know that I need to believe that I am that to receive that. Yeah. And 
and that worked. You know, I was in high school. People thought I was one of the rich kids in high school. I drove a brand new car. I wore all the fancy clothes. All my friends were the rich kids wearing Rolex watches and driving BMWs. And I, you know, I was living in a minimum wage household. Yeah. But I manifested that stuff in high school. Did you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I had an older brother. And I remember telling him about it. And uh, he was very Christian, very religious. And I remember him thinking I was just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most insane thing. I'm going to go back and, and you know, keep my nose to the grindstone. You need to buck up and do better in school or you're you know, going to be left behind. And I just said, no, that's, you know, that's not going to be my experience. And I was not a good student ever. He was a straight A student. My sister, uh-huh. half sister, uh, was a straight A student. I was the middle child. I was a straight F student for the most part, dyslexic. Nobody cared that I was failing in school. I sat and daydreamed all day. I really talked to the stream all day. And I always did okay. I, I schmoozed my way from grade to grade. I got through high school. I wasn't going to graduate with my class. So I went and got a GED. I started a real estate development company right after that. And, you know, life just took off. And then I, uh, that played out. I got into a corporate job. I, started, I did very well in corporate. Um, and, and the funny thing is, though, and I've told this story a few times, but, you know, I got to age 40 and I really misused the law of attraction. Because growing up poor, I thought having money and stuff was the answer to everything. And I, you know, ended up at 40, making all this money, living in a beautiful house, having all the nice stuff. And I was still miserable. Yeah. And that's where, you know, the stream came in. And that's where uh, about the same time, you know, the secret came out. Um, and they were on Oprah. And I thought, well, hell, I know what all that is. I thought I invented that. But now I realize it's got a name and, it, you know, it's, it's something. And I realized that the, the secret was a very limited version but the beauty of that is it, it was palatable for the masses. Right. And it, it, it brought a lot of people to the rea- realization that they create their own reality. So it did a beautiful, perfect job of what it needed to do. Yeah, and it, it did because just like me, everyone is in the old approach of control. And I was always trying to manifest. And I manifest so many things and also did very well in real estate and lived in a beautiful house and had a boat behind the house and new cars and all this stuff, but was miserable because, and miserable in not finding satisfaction in anything I was doing. And I would, you know, it's interesting because everything I was doing was trying to get into this club of successful people. And once I made it to that club, we'd be at these parties, all standing around talking about how come we're not satisfied? You know, how come there's no satisfaction in what we're doing? And so people would try to do charities and stuff like that. And it was still nothing. It was, we go to these big charity events in Palm Beach and it's just, you know, sort of having fun. There's a band there and you're dancing and you're all dressed up, but it's not satisfying at all. And uh, and pretty soon, if people weren't failing in business, then they were getting into drugs or alcohol or marriages were dissolving or they're having affairs or all, all kinds of problems were showing up. And that's the manifestation of what happens when you live in opposition of who you truly are, when you're trying to get the outside conditions to make you feel something you don't already feel. Yeah. So we were all there. I had to completely fail, not fail, but lose everything and start again. And that's how, you know, Deborah Joe gave us the secret and we got totally into it, then found Abraham. And once I found Abraham, I, I thought that was like such a high level of you know, and it is the leading edge of thought, but yet from where we are now, we can look at Abraham and say it's it's brilliant, and yet it's general enough to allow in so many people. It's 10 times more specific than the secret, or a million times more, uh, but yet it's still general general enough that a lot of people can come in and they can resonate with it. Yeah. We were just, well, it was, you know, evolutionary. It was, it was up to speed with Esther's intention of sharing it, I think, as it, as it evolved. Totally. And, I, you know, and, and I discovered Abraham kind of in a different way because I was trying to figure out for years what was going on with me. And I had a psychic in Casadega, Florida, tell me that, well, you're a channel. You, you've got this amazing ability to, you know, you can do anything you want with this. And not many people on the planet really have it to this degree. Right. And of course, I was a corporate guy making a lot of money at that time. And I'm like, well, I can't tell anybody that. I'll lose my job. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm not one of those woo-woo people. You know, I don't have a ponytail. I don't wear Birkenstocks. You know, I very much stereotyped the spiritual community back then. Yeah. And so it freaked me out. And she said, you really need to listen to this Abraham stuff. And, you know, I, I shut it out for years and years and years until it really pummeled me. 
you know, that I couldn't ignore it anymore. And then when I finally discovered Abraham, it was like, it resonated on such a high level that I didn't even really understand what channeling was. And then hearing this, you know, this woman speak in this really thick accent on those early tapes, it mm-hmm. didn't freak me out in the least. Everything they said resonated with everything that I was getting from the stream. And then as I really got into it, I started using the Abraham teachings combined with what the stream was giving me to transform my life, you know, from age 40 on, because I hit 40, I had all the money and the beautiful house and all that stuff. And I was 300 pounds. I was addicted to Oxycontin. I was in a bad marriage. I hated the job that I had that supplied all the stuff. I didn't love me. I didn't feel worthy. Nothing else was working other than money because I, I thought money was the answer to everything. I, I remember thinking when I was a kid, this is, this is really silly, but um, you know, I'm into houses and, and design and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, well, the Brady Bunch, you know, that's a nice house. And they had that fancy refrigerator with ice and water in the door. And I thought, well, I'd be happy if I lived in a house like that with that yeah. kind of refrigerator. And then I got a little older and I thought, well, if I had a Sub-Zero refrigerator, I'd be really <laughs> happy. You know, and a Sub-Zero refrigerator is never going to make you happy. I had one. I had an ice maker and a wine cooler and a refrigerator. Still yeah. not happy. Wow, I've got all this shit. I'm still not happy. What's wrong? And, you know, the Abraham message really helped me understand that law of attraction is about more than money. And... There are so many, you know, I have a boot camp program just like you do and the, the Taya spiritual practice that we've come up with and this, the, the, the boot camp, I have a lot of people in there that have a lot of money and, and they're, they're still not happy. That's kind of a common thread. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people like that are in my boot camp because they got where they thought they were going to be that would finally make them happy and it's not working and they're looking for something deeper and more and more meaningful. And so when people come to me, you know, and my group is Law of Attraction 2.0, so it kind of has that same resonance with people that want financial abundance. But if they come to me and say, you know, I want to take your boot camp to learn how to get rich, I'll say you're probably not ready for it. That's right. Because you, you got to be in a place where you understand that, you know, being rich can be a byproduct of, of, of an alignment for sure. You can have anything you want. But man, it's so, there's so much more than just being rich. Yes. And you've got to learn to love you and be connected with source and have all that intuition flowing and, and be healthy. Yes. You know, Steve Jobs is a great example to us that you can be the most successful, celebrated, wealthy man and still be sick and die of cancer in your 50s. Right. Really sad that he never aligned with health. He aligned with being a genius and with money and success and fame and wasn't able to align with health. Right. And I read a couple of his biographies and I understood that he was very obsessed with health. Yeah. But his obsession with health was rooted in his fear of death. Yeah. (laughs) Right. What happened? He manifested death. Well, he was trying to control health and you can't, that's not how you you can't control anything. Right. We lived in Palm Beach for a a couple of years, which was this island that's the wealthy enclave of the, of the world. It's probably the most wealthy geographical area. And I had this joke that, when we lived there, I would just see all these people driving around in their Bentleys and their Maseratis and their Ferraris. And every one of them tops are down and they're just smiling ear to ear because they're so happy. And people are like, really, is that true? I said, no, it's not true. None of them were happy. They're all miserable. They may have an abundance of money, but they definitely don't have an abundance of joy or an abundance of strong relationships or time or all these things. The money will come when you see yourself from the higher perspective as worthy of money and, in, and you can't control that. You have to let it be and let it evolve and you have to expand not in doing things to make money, but in doing things to allow your soul's purpose to unfold on its, on its own. And you can't do that in any form of control. So it should be like the law of control, really. <laughs> the law of attraction doesn't work in control. It only works in yeah. allowing. And yeah, well, and a lot of people think that they, uh, you know, the stream calls this hammering. You know, that they're going to sit and they're going to meditate money every day. Sure. I want money, I want money, I want money. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. I feel rich. I and did that. Money. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we all want to do that. You know, you, you watch the secret movie and you see the person think about a bike and a bike shows up. Yeah. I remember thinking, well, hell, I'm on a Bentley then. You know, yeah. if I could think of something and my Bentley Continental never showed up. <laughs> and it, I realized, okay, this is, there's some flaws in this thinking here right. because you really, the more you try to hammer at something, making it happen, the more you're chasing it away. 
Because now I realize, well, the, what's the vibration of wanting? The vibration of wanting is it's not here and I want it. It's lack. Or I need it. Mm-hmm. You know, And both of those are lack. And the universe is going to say, you're right, you need it. Yeah. You're right, you want it. Yeah. Um, we have a bunch of the Joshua meditations on Spotify. And Spotify will record how many plays it has. <laughs> and by far, by far the most popular one is the abundance meditation. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have one called the Vault. And <laughs> yeah. uh, the Vault is my it's where you go into your vault of money. It's lovely. I love it. I love going into my vault oh, yeah. of money. You know, it does work. That's by far my most because it's called the vault. And people right away are like, oh shit, that's the money one. Let me get that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is it is funny. And we all think that money's the answer to everything. And you know, I tell everybody real fast, I like money. I like nice things. Don't think that I'm telling you that we're supposed to go live in a hut somewhere and live in lack. We're not supposed to, we're supposed to enjoy every aspect of this physical life. If it's a mansion and a yacht and a Bentley, that's great. Just don't expect those things to make you happy because they're not unless you're happy first. We were on one of our Joshua cruises and we're leaving to go explore some destination. And as we're walking down the dock of this big cruise ship, there's this beautiful yacht at the end of it. And everyone's going like, next time we're going to have a, Joshua Cruz on a private yacht. And I'm like, the only reason these people have this yacht is to get away from people like us. You know, they're trying to control their environment to such a degree that they're willing to, you know, take themselves off of, you know, out of the population. But we're having so much fun. This is a beautiful Royal Caribbean boat. There's tons of fun people. We're just having a great time interacting with those people. You know, we want abundance of people. We don't want to stay away from people. We want an abundance of experiences. We even want an abundance of emotions, negative, positive, whatever. We want to fully explore this and not shy away from any of it. Yeah, you know, I posted something on Facebook the other day, and it was, a, you know, Jim Carrey has become sort of this spiritual yeah. leader. And, and, and because he's famous, people hang on his every word. And I, I love the fact that he's, he, he, you know, I think he's an Abraham person from way back. Okay. And I love that he's spiritually connected. I love that he's sharing it and sharing the positive message. I'm not criticizing any of that. But the post was about, you know, every time I go away from people, I never want to come back around people again. And I just remember thinking like, wow, that's like, you're sort of at 50%, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're thinking that way, because, you know, 50% is okay. I want to get out of the rat race. I want to get away from the negativity. I want to go meditate and become one with myself, connect with source. That's good stuff. There's nothing right. wrong with any of that. I do that every day. But then to think that you have to hold yourself away from that or that you can't read the headlines. You know, we right. all go through this period when we get into this that we don't want to, we don't want to absorb the news anymore because it, it's negative. It'll take you down the spiral for sure. But there's a whole other place that you can go to where what Donald Trump is doing right now does not bother me in the least because I give it no power over my life. It's funny. I'm not bothered by him. And yeah. I see people that I love that are tormenting themselves posting negative stuff about this man every day. Yeah. And they're only giving more power to it. Yeah. Like, oh, there's his re-election campaign right there. The more you fear him, the more you're going to sweep him right back into office. Exactly. So right. if you don't like the guy, the best thing that you can do is turn your focus to what you really want, which is what? Peace and prosperity for everyone or, or whatever that, you know, whatever it is that you want. Yes. And the government's probably never going to be the answer to that anyway. No. And well, just like you said, Jim Carrey has gotten to this place of spirituality where he can go and meditate and he can collect himself and be aligned. But if he loses alignment with other people, he's only halfway there. The idea is that other people cannot create your reality and you could be influenced by them and you could react to them. But if you are doing this work enough, you won't, you know, if you process enough limiting beliefs, you're not going to have negative reactions. You're going to choose your reaction. And your reaction is going to be to look at the person from the higher perspective. And if they're in fear, you can, you can realize that their behavior is influenced by the fear that they're feeling and they're trying to control conditions. And this is why they're, they're reacting. Yeah. Not that they're a bad person or anything's wrong with them. They're reacting out of their fear or out of their love, whatever it is. And you can see it from this higher perspective. Now that takes a bit of work. I think that's really what the boot camps offer is that you might intellectually understand how law of attraction works, but you don't integrate it into the fiber of your being. So you can say all day long, yes, I'm attracting a reality. 
I can, you know, but why are these people bothering me? Why am I being annoyed? How come they're not different? What's wrong with me? So many people think something's wrong with them. And that is an illusion. It's the illusion of imperfection. That you're perfect as you are now. You were perfect the day you're born. You didn't somehow get imperfect along the way. You expanded. And when you could walk, you're not more perfect than when you couldn't walk. You were just the same perfection expanded to a new level. When you could talk, you're expanded to a new level. But when you fail, you don't get imperfect. Or when you make a mistake that you perceive as a mistake, it doesn't mean anything about you. You can't be defined like that. Uh, and really, so what the work is, removing the illusion of imperfection and seeing how truly magnificent you are. Then when you start to see yourself from this higher perspective, then you allow in things that you wouldn't allow in for the flawed version of you. Right. Because you say that flawed version of me is unworthy of this thing. But now I see myself from a much higher perspective. The, the flaws are illusions. I can push past those or I can process those and see myself from this higher perspective. And now I, I can, I'm worthy of more. And understanding how, because a lot of people that get into law of attraction think that they're going to manifest this life of perfection and they're never going to have contrast. They're never going to be down the spiral. Everything's just going to be perfect, but nobody's achieving that. And then people think, well, it doesn't work. You know, this is all BS. There's no law of attraction. Well, they're not really understanding that our life purpose is not to just come and live a quiet life of perfection. Our life purpose really is to come and live the contrast and allow the negative to inspire new creation. And the more we understand that, the faster we move through that. So the, the story I was kind of telling you before we came on, my summer has been sort of a down the spiral summer. And I had some things go on in my life uh, in May, June that were contrast for me that I didn't understand in the moment, but now I have clarity. A little bit of time gives you clarity if you allow it to, instead of being bigger, bitter and negative and thinking like a victim, looking back and saying, how did I manifest this and how does it serve me, which I always do. So I had this group of friends here in Palm Springs. I moved here uh, a little over a year ago in June of 2018. And I you know, came down with my then husband, Brandon. I had all these friends that I'd known for years and years and years from back in Seattle. And I you know, came and leased this big, beautiful house for two years. And I thought, my life is set. I'm moving to my dream town. I'm self-employed. I'm doing what I love finally. And I'm married to this, this person, this younger guy. Uh, and you know, I have all these friends and we're going to have all these parties. And this is what life's going to be in, in, in Palm Springs. Well, right away, my husband, who was half my age, did not like Palm Springs. It's kind of a retirement community. He was miserable here. Our marriage was falling apart. He wanted out. He wanted to move to LA. I went through all of that, detuned that pretty quickly, set him free. And then I only had my friends kind of to rely on because I was a newly single guy living in this big house all by myself. And that started falling apart because I was really doing a lot of vibrational work where I had changed quite a bit since they had really been around me before. Yeah. You know, they were used to the 300 pound, not happy, Oxycontin addicted, you know, angst corporate version of me. And now here I come blowing into town and now I'm all about going to the gym and I'm all about, you know, looking good and feeling good and being happy and being upbeat. They're not all exactly like that. Right. And I didn't care. They're my friends. I, I wanted them to be my friends. And I love them anyway. But I really realized now that I bugged the crap out of them. <laughs> and, and they were always kind of like, you know, you're too gregarious. You're too confident. You're, you know, you've got too much going on that, you know, you're kind of in everybody's face about it. And I've tried to adjust my behavior. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, this isn't really my problem. It's their problem. Right. Because they want to sit around and talk about drama and, you know, whatever's going on and gossip and all this stuff. And that's not really my vibe. I realized that we're not a vibrational match anymore. Exactly. And I realized that when they really cut me off, they stopped texting me and inviting me to stuff. And I felt very abandoned. Like, wow, you know, my husband left and now I'm being abandoned by my friends. And I'm, you know, I've got friends and, 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 and you know, people that are into the stream all over the world, which is nice, but I felt very alone in Palm Springs. So I went through a rough period and in June, feeling that loneliness and that, that down vibe and allowing myself to go down there, I manifested a couple of people into my life experience that were not good influences. They, you know, one was a romantic interest that I got really uh, sort of infatuated with right away because he was all into law of attraction. Yeah. He was married to a woman who was a channel. 
Wow. <laughs> and I understood that. I'm like, wow, there's a gay dude that understands spirituality, law of attraction, and channeling. That's crazy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and very attractive guy and, and really friendly and fun. And I thought, wow, I'm just so into this person. Got way too into this person. And at the same time, there was another kind of peripheral friend that I started building a stronger bond with that didn't abandon me, abandon me from this group. And he was leaving his husband. And I let him move into my house. So all at once, suddenly from this sort of down the spiral place, I had these two new people in my life that ended up being very disruptive because I allowed them to be. Uh -huh. So I have this new guy moving in. They're, they're both very narcissistic people. And when you're a channel, you're also somewhat of an empath because you read energy, right? I try not to do a whole lot of that, but we, we, we people that are empathic, we meet somebody that we really like and we immediately want to try to fix them. Uh. <laughs> which I know better. I know I shouldn't be doing that. But when you, you know, this guy is in a law of attraction and he understands channeling and he's gorgeous and I've got to fix this guy. I've got to fix the bad stuff about him. Right. That was stupid. Yeah. Um, but I, so I went through this period. It was very disruptive having this, this sort of negative energy living in my house and very disruptive having this, this person I was really into that the more I got into him, the more he was pushing back in a very major way. And it really, you know, sent me down the spiral. But through all of that, I kept doing my, my spiral work, raising my vibration. I have to do that to be able to do what I, what I do for a living, which is channel. And I knew that there was some, the, there was a value in all of that contrast. And it was sure. a major contrast for me, uh, very painful. And the person that I was infatuated with ended up taking me to this party, introducing me to this other person. And this other person is not what I would call my type. Yeah. But coming off of the one who I thought was my type, I was very open to this other person. Well, come to find out now, this other person is really, you know, we've been hanging out now, dating, whatever you want to call it, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And every minute that we're together is just a blast. Wow. So much fun. Laugh at everything. You know, he can go deep. He can be shallow, just like me, you know, and it's really cool. And the weird thing is we're both Pisces too, which is, you know, I, I don't really care that much about that, but we're, we have a really good vibe. So... Now coming out of it, you know, I've really worked to get my vibe back up to a super high place. Coming out of that period, I look back and see the perfection in all of it, that I went down the spiral and manifested these obstacles in my life to, to dramatically change Your my life at Palm Springs. Yeah. I now am not with the old friendship group that was not my vibrational match. I'm now meeting new people through these other people, even through the infatuation guy. Yeah. I'm meeting all these new friends that are my vibrational match. I'm now friends with him. Yeah. Because if it's someone's a narcissist, it's pretty easy to be their friend. It's not easy to be in love with them. You uh -huh. know? So, and he is a great guy. He is a great guy, but he's not somebody I want to rely on and go deep with in a relationship. He's not yeah. capable. So I'm like, wow, you know, he's going to be a good friend, I think. And I'm meeting these other people through him because he's very popular. And now I've met this great guy. And now life seems very hopeful again. And I had to put myself through that negative period to up-level myself in my local situation to the life that I really wanted in the first place. Sure. And so what you had to do is expand through a number of experiences to come to this vibrational place where you could see this new person that you would probably have not paid attention to before. Right. They, because now you came up to his level or whatever. Yeah, no, he's a very high, and it's funny because yeah. he's not, he's not really, he's a little spiritual. He's a clinical psychologist though. So, uh -huh. you know, yeah. <laughs> what I do and what he do, we kind of do the same thing in very different ways. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that we have to realize how our, our negative serves us if we allow it to. Now That's there are right. people that meet a narcissist and, and fall for them and stay there or stay with them and get pummeled for months and or years. You know, I went through it in weeks because I realized this isn't working. I'm not going to allow my value myself too much to put up with this. This is painful. And this is going to serve me somehow, but my work is to get back up my spiral and high vibration, and that will become clear to me. And it became clear in a way that I would have never imagined. And that's what I love about the universe. You know, when we go up the spiral and we're general, and my new saying is the universe always pampers me. Yeah. I leave it at that. Am I trying to hammer away at money or health? Or, no, no. The universe always pampers me. Right. I'm spoiled. I get every damn thing that I want, even if I don't realize, you know, in the process of creation that I'm getting it. Yeah. And, and I'm very general about it now. And it works. Yeah. It works beautifully. And I love it when it's like, wow, I would have never in a million years thought 
that I'd be doing a boot camp. You know, that was another story like this. I never in a million years thought that I would be loving doing a boot camp and changing people's lives. And I never in a million years thought I would be, you know, with this guy, this, this, you know, you, you know, not physical type person who's a yeah. doctor, you know, <laughs> I just intellectual, yeah. intellectual. Yeah. He's got an MBA and he's a doctor yeah. and I have a GED. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we can have the most deep intellectual conversations. So it's great. <laughs> and so, you know, there's that idea of the worthiness around how could I be with a person like this? This is not who I am normally attracted to. And when you go general like that and just allow in the vibration of whoever that's supposed to be without having it be a certain type, you know, everyone says that that's my type or a certain look or mean anything about me. A lot of people will look for someone who is say really good looking. So that they say, when this person likes me, it means I'm worthy, right? Otherwise, right. they like me. Right. And I, you know, again, coming off of being 300 pounds in my 20s and 30s. Sure. To have this guy that's, you know, gorgeous, be into me and, and, and show mm -hmm. up at places, you know, that fed my ego for sure. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But, but at what cost? But you got you know? done so quickly. Most people spend 20 years doing that. Yeah. From one to another to another. Right. You're not and realizing the vibration. I know, yeah, it's about raising my vibration to get the clarity and see how all that served me. And it was painful. Yeah. You know, I'm a 51 year old man. I don't cry very often about anything. And yeah. I, you know, there were tears shed over this stuff. Well, you know, if, you're, if you're in this community, if you're paying attention to Law of Attraction, the stream, Joshua, you are a highly sensitive person. That is, seems to be the thread that runs through the entire community. And well, because we're all allowing our, without fear, allowing ourselves to be in touch with our emotions because your emotions are everything. Yes. Your emotions are running your life. And if you're out of touch with your emotions and you've built that wall, then you're, you're not living a very satisfying existence as far as, you know, I'm not judging it. Everybody gets to do what they want to do. Yeah. I know it's not for me. And I did live life like that when I was 300 pounds and addicted to Oxycontin, I had the wall up Yeah, and I had the Oxycontin and the potato chips and the booze. Yeah you know, and the fried chicken or whatever the hell else I was eating back then, I needed that stuff to soothe me. You know, that taste of that food right. was like, this is my enjoyment in life that this fried chicken tastes so good. And this bourbon, you know, I still drink a little bit still, yeah. you know, the, I was soothing my disconnection from source, Sure, you know, to do that. And then when That's I finally the allowed the connection, then it really exploded. And now I can speak it and help other people, which is extremely satisfying and, and I'm in the best health of my life at 51, happier than I've ever been at 51, and very optimistic about the future. Know that I'm nowhere near done. You know, we're Absolutely. not, yeah, we're, we're never done with this. We, no. you know, these, I tell everybody, boot camp is not a cure for contrast. Boot camp tells you how to run your life with the universal laws that right. are our reality and operate on a much higher level than the vast majority of the planet does. Yeah, that's what, that's what um, I say about Joshua's bootcamp is it will allow you to see things with such clarity that you will be so much more effective in every single area of your life. And Joshua was talking about, I have a, a light ring right here and just like the, the, the spirals behind you. So that spiral, the white on the gray to your left, the other one with the points coming out. Yeah. Joshua's like, so imagine every single aspect of your life, money, health, relationships, time, you know, all kinds. There's a million different points of points there. And those are either lit up or they're dimmed, depending on how you see yourself in that perspective. So, you, so there's people who are financially very successful and they feel worthy in whatever they're doing that creates the, the, that abundance, but maybe they don't have any time or poor relationships or poor relationships with their kids or um, they're not happy, they're not healthy, that sort of thing. And the idea is to keep the lights lit by seeing your worthiness in every single aspect of, of every single part of your life, which creates a brightly lit round circle. So, so your entire life is lit up. And you do that by understanding what's going on in universal law, who you truly are, which is an aspect of source. So if you fully believe that you were source and you lived as if you were source, we call it the authentic life, 
That is a life that is not limited by fear. It's not immune from fear. It's just not limited by the, by the uh, imposition of fear. People can see the fear for what it is, whether it's rational fear or irrational fear, and they can process it. And when they do that, your light of your life will be lit up in all areas. And that's why Abraham will say, focus on the areas that are working well, go general about everything else, and then you'll move to a vibrational place where you can probably enhance the lights of the dimmer places. And that is done through obstacles like you just went through. We call them manifestation events. And it shows you things from a different perspective, especially if you can tie it to a limiting belief, right? I need a guy who makes me feel good about myself. Well, why would you need that? Because you don't feel worthy of that now. And so you get a manifestation event with this person and you realize that it's all tied to a limiting belief. You don't need it anymore. When you get to a new perspective, you expand it through that experience, and now you can allow someone in who is a match to the vibration that you're at at the time. Now, this also goes to say that if you are vibrationally attracting everything you need to do whatever you need to do, you don't have to worry about things that leave because they will lead you into something else. And when you feel jealous, it is based in a limiting belief that if this person leaves, you'll be alone, right? Right. But if you are high enough on the spiral and you've worked on the vibrational work, if they leave, it just means someone else even better is coming in. And you could be excited by that. I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> you do, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I went through that when, when Brandon, you know, I told the little story about, you know, my, my then husband, who's half my age. He's, uh, I'm 51. He's now 26. Which also um, you can see was probably attracted from a, if this guy who's half my age loves me. Oh, yeah. That was, you know, there was a few things that, you know, that he, gorgeous, you know, 20 something Latino guy. Yeah. That was into me. Uh, and then there was a part of it too that I really enjoyed sort of taking him out of a really financially depressed situation, showing him a whole different world, which was fun for me. And it was probably yep. a boost for my ego. You know, right. it was all a big ego boost coming out of a bad long-term relationship. Right. But the nice thing about it is, is that he sort of gets all this, the thing that really attracted to me, he gets this naturally. Yeah. I love like, people like that. Long attraction. He didn't know what it was, but he got it. Like I always feel safe because he lived in a really bad neighborhood. He goes, I always feel safe. I know that no one's ever going to mess with me. Wow. He's, he's muscular, but he's not big. He's like yeah. a short guy. And he says, no one's ever going to mess with me. I'm always safe. I walk to the bus stop. I feel safe. And I'm like, wow, you just get it. You know, he did. And that was one of the big appeals. Well, the nice thing is, is that our relationship transitioned out of being romantic before we ever moved to Palm Springs, really. I was trying to bring it back to life and it wasn't. Uh -huh. and, and for both of us, it just wasn't there anymore. And, you know, the age difference was just too great. But we still have this love and respect for one another where he's like my family now. And we talk and we're friendly. He came here and spent a week uh, at my house and, and the dog and I drove him back into L.A. And I spent the night at his apartment in L.A. And, you know, he's, he's like an extension of my family. And I think we'll always be friendly. And, you know, the, both of my exes, I'm very friendly. My first ex took my boot camp five years after our divorce. Oh, that's great. <laughs> said, you know, I, I give in because your life is always so amazing and you've done all these changes and you've changed so much. He's known me for 25, 30 years now. He said, I, I, I want to take the boot camp," And he did. And it was amazing that he did because it really helped him change his life. So I'm so friendly with both my exes. And then when I was with the, the narcissist guy, he has this whole history of all these people self-destructing after he leaves them. Yeah. You know, they get addicted to drugs, they do this. And that's, that was another red flag for me. I'm like, wow, I don't want to be another statistic in this guy's life that, you know, that what are you doing in these relationships? I feel like both of mine ended, but I left them better than I found them. Yeah. Well, what most people do, if they're looking for this person to make them feel loved and that person leaves, then their lives are shredded because yeah. it makes yeah. them, and, you know, that's where I went with Brandon. When he announced that he wanted to leave, I set me down a spiral and then I, I got away for a minute and I thought, well, why did that send me so much when I know that I know the relationship is dead and I know always knew that he would hit his mid twenties and change and it probably wouldn't be a forever thing. Yeah. And I, I said, you know what? It's abandonment. I, it triggered sure. that, you know, my dad left when I was six and my mom mentally abandoned. belief of abandonment. 
he, he triggered abandonment. I'm like, wow, there's something else for me to detune because abandonment's rooted in fear. So all of that was my fear kicking in of I'm going to be all alone, like you were just saying. You know, oh my gosh. But I'm like, wait a minute. If I can manifest anything I want, yes. why am I afraid of being alone? I can manifest friends. I can manifest lovers. I can manifest, you know, future partners. I'm not going to worry about this. I detuned that in less than a day and went back to him and said, you know what? You need to go to LA. Go be a 25-year-old. Go live your life. I wish you the best. And that's where we've been since then. It's been, you know, seven months now. And so that's what I would say that the true success is, is the ability to go through an obstacle and then get back quickly to alignment. And and you can do it very quickly. When you get really good at it, when you get, that's what Taya is. You know, I label, we call our Taya, ours Taya for trusting your abundance. And the Taya practice is very much that, that the, the, the further you go with it, the quicker you can flip perspective on anything and detune it. Yes. Anything. And that's why now politics doesn't take me down my spiral. I've even gotten to a place where the mass shootings don't take me down my spiral. And that, this is controversial, but I don't want it to happen ever to anyone. I don't want to see that. But I understand from a higher perspective that negative things like that will always exist in a physical environment. And there's always going to be somebody, and there always has been throughout history, that you know puts themselves in that victim place, and they let themselves get so impacted by what they're absorbing, and they're focusing only on the negative, and they get so worked up that they think the only solution is to get their anger out by going and killing a bunch of innocent people. And I understand it, that it's contrast. I hold on to the belief that we are all eternal beings and that we could all die tomorrow and we're okay because we don't cease to be. This physical body ceases to be, but the wholeness of who we are transcends to something else and we do it infinitely. So why make such a big hairy deal about this life? Because it is precious. It could be taken away from any of us at any time. I plan on having a long, healthy life, but you know, that there are people who that's, that's their contrast. You know, I have a woman in boot camp right now whose son was murdered at 23. It was five years ago. And she's now at a place where she's tortured herself for five years seeking justice and, and feeling awful about what happened. Her son was taken from her and she's transitioned now. I don't know if you saw her video. She's transitioned out of this place where she said that was my son's contrast. Right. His experience was to come here and have this. And he was an amazing kid. Yeah. You know, came from the ghetto and spoke Japanese fluently, worked for Microsoft, had two or three degrees, you know, really pulled himself out, and, you know, on, on the face value, a 23 year old who, you know, is, is murdered violently for no reason, not that there's ever a reason to be murdered, but, you know, it seems very sad, but, you know, she's come to the, the evolve now to the perspective that was his life. That was his contrast. It is what it is. It's not for me to judge. And, now she knows that her ticket to freedom is to find appreciation for his, his experience, to find appreciation even for his murder and even appreciation for his murderer. Yes. And she gets it. Yeah. And, and she says, and, and, you know, just the fact that she's thinking, she's not all the way there, but I will tell you from the time she got into boot camp till now, glowing, happier, losing weight, feeling better, loving herself more. She says in this now state, she's now connecting with her son better than ever. Yes. Because and she's not grieving. She's not missing. She's appreciating. And he's in that high vibration. And now she's a match to him and they have a better relationship. now. And she can't communicate with them until she gets into that higher stream of consciousness in alignment. And if she's, you know, if anyone is complaining about anything or having a problem with anything or fighting against what is or what happened or regretting the past or thinking they should have made a different decision, they're just disconnecting him from that stream of consciousness. On the mass shootings thing, Joshua says that these events are all planned, that those who are involved in it, the shooter and the victim, have come together in a big event to create this, this huge experience of love. And so when something happened like the shootings in Orlando, the shootings in Las Vegas, these the love that pours in for, you know, in, in Orlando, it was that the gay club. And so love for the gay community just poured in from that event. Yeah. School yeah negative well. inspires new positive and that's, yeah. that's creation. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you look at anything from a higher perspective, especially death, 
if we know we're eternal, if we know everyone else is eternal, if you can communicate with people who have passed on, then you can can see it from a higher perspective. And and what we say is a lot of times is you go through the boot camp experience with Joshua, you're not going to be crying at funerals anymore because you're going to just see what's happening. You're going to understand that they made their transition on their terms, that they, you cannot die until you're ready to die. It's not possible to transition until you're ready to transition. And so that gives us hope. So we don't need to fear death. We need to appreciate life and appreciate all the things that are going on here. And when we're ready to go, we'll just go. It won't be, and you don't have to, those who fear death tend to let it linger that part of it, but you don't need to, you know, happy, healthy, happy, healthy, happy, healthy, dead. As April, yeah. As- yeah. You know, it's funny. I had an experience um, right after that Walmart shooting. I think it was in El Paso just a few weeks ago. I go to this big gym here in Palm Springs. You know, that's big, you know, just tons of people in there all the time. And I was in there on Saturday and all of a sudden, and my gym is probably 15, 50% Latino half. And there was this guy, this white guy starts screaming in the gym the Mexicans are all going to chop our chop all our heads off. The Mexicans are going to be crazy. And he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. And this kid on this machine next to me is staring at me. And I know what he was thinking is this guy about to go get a gun and shoot everybody in here. Mm. You know, I mean, he's gotten himself so worked up from sitting and watching whatever news he's watching that, you know, Mexicans are this big threat to him that he's screaming this. It was crazy. And I just had this calmness over me that I'm not vibrationally matched to that. So that's not going to happen. Right. It's just a crazy person I'm observing right now. Absolutely. So, you know, I said, I, I, I said, it's going to be okay. You know, I didn't want him to get fearful. Yeah. So, um, you know, he just screamed all the way out the door and I don't, you know, he was over there working out. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. He was working out and he just starts screaming this all the way through the gym that the Mexicans are going to come chop all our heads off. Wow. It's just so funny. I mean, that just shows you how vibration works that you get so caught up in what you're focused on. And that's, what's so sad is you have these people that sit glued to the news all day. And nowadays the news is a fear machine, right? You know, that's all about ratings because the more yeah. fearful you are, the more you're going to watch yeah. and then you get all worked up and suddenly, you know, we have this, this, this culture that is fearful of Mexicans yeah. because that was the, you know, it served a political purpose. Sure. And, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't hear about it at all, but yet we, <laughs> you know, had a Mexican border for how many years? Hundreds. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden it's a problem. Yeah. You know, and I remember when, you know, a few years ago, the, the growing national debt was the biggest problem we had. Mm-hmm. Biggest problem we had. And now nobody even talks about it. Oh, right. let's not worry about that right now. Let's yeah. worry about <laughs> And the politics are just so amusing to me. And, and it, what's not amusing, though, is the way people get so worked up thinking that that has so much power over their lives. And, you know, I remember when, um, when Bush got elected, uh, the second Bush got elected, George W. Bush, and my partner a very liberal Democrat. I was already sort of disconnecting from politics. He thought the world was going to end. Mm-hmm. And I said at that time, I'm not participating in this. Yeah. This man has no power over my life. I'm not participating in this. And then I, and it worked. I just didn't pay attention to him and my life was just fine. Yeah. And then, you know, cause gay people were all up in arms because he really demonized the gay community. That was a big anti-gay marriage time, you know, right. where you know, now it's Mexicans and immigrants. And back then it was gay people. Uh-huh. We're demonized. And so it was very prevalent in my community that this man was going to be very bad for us. And he wasn't. No. He wasn't. In it my was life, prepared. he wasn't. And so that when the recession came after that, I remember thinking, I'm not participating in this recession. Yeah. Oh, okay. with me. <laughs> you know, and it didn't. You know, and I, I sold my house in Florida for uh, full price for cash. I moved to Seattle, which had a much better economy. I uh, took on a corporate job where the company was shrinking. Uh, sales were down by 50%, but I was the new guy. And they were getting rid of all the high-paid old guys. And as they got rid of the high-paid old guys, I got their territory. Uh-huh. And I got made more money year after year after year during the recession. Yeah. And the rece- you know, there were parts of it like, that sucked. I hated having to take people's jobs away. That wasn't a positive experience. A big part of my job was shutting down locations and cutting staffs in half. Well, I didn't feel good. But at the end of the day, that was their contrast. Right. Of and the people that were performing stayed, and the people that weren't were the ones that we got rid of. So here's what Josh has been talking a lot about lately, is that, you know, we don't manufacture thoughts in our brain. We attract, receive, and transmit thoughts. So we're like more like a radio receiver. 
And so it depends on what dial we're tuned into. And really, there's only two channels of thought. And as Abraham will, will say, that all the thought that's ever been thought by humans still exists. And then there's the thought that comes from source. There's the limitless thought, that the limitless potential. And if you're tuned into that stream of consciousness, consciousness that I picture coming down in like this yellow beam, this golden beam, straight from above. And if you're tuned into that stream of consciousness, then the words flow easily, the thoughts feel good, and you receive inspiration and incredible ideas. And just staying in there as much as possible, you, oops, you are living in tune with your inner self. But when you see something that you perceive as wrong or that you did something wrong or you wish was different than it was, then you tap into that stream of human consciousness that is based in fear and lack. And when you're down there, there's levels to it. So the surface level is just a little bit of doubt, maybe boredom, maybe things don't feel good. And the deeper level is depression, despair. Yeah, that's what we talk about the spiral. When you start spiraling down, doubt is usually the tipping point uh -huh. from neutrality that starts to suck you down that spiral if you allow it. Yeah. And yeah. right. So that down the spiral is this stream of consciousness that you hook into. And if you're watching the news and thinking it's bad, you're just getting hooked down that spiral. If you can watch the news and say, well, that's someone else's experience and realize that there's 7 billion people, the job of the news is to find out what's happening to the people most in fear, the edges of real reality, right? They're going through something terrible. And then to, to highlight that and make it seem like that's possible for everyone, you know. And people just aren't really good at math and they're not good at processing this fear and realizing there's 350 million people in this, in this country. They're talking to the people that are most in fear. They're not talking to the people that are most in love and most in alignment. And so you tend to get fear yourself and that's just dipping into that lower emotional stream of consciousness. But if you can do whatever you need to do, and if that's not you know, watching the news or if it's, that's not being around people that you, that you have a hard time not reacting to, then that's fine. Do what you can to hook up into that stream. And really the way you do that is by raising your perspective and understanding there is nothing wrong going on. It's just either fear or love. You're either in fear or you're in love. If you find yourself in fear, your inner self is giving you a negative emotion. That's how you know that you're dipping down into that stream. That's the purpose of the negative emotions. And if you can realize what's happening, and then get up that spiral quicker by whatever process you need to do, you are going to be in more alignment and you're going to be much more effective in everything you do. You got to understand that people listening to this show, the people who are listening to the stream of David and, and Joshua live and those shows, you are on the leading edge of the leading edge of thought. And most people will not get what we're talking about here, but you are getting it. And to, to take that lightly is to do yourself a disservice because this is leading edge. Yeah, it is a big deal that, that you're here, that we're here, and that the, the listeners are here. It is a big deal. Yeah. Like you said, I tell people all, all the time, you're, most people aren't ready for this. Most people hear this and think it's insane or it's blasphemous or, you know, how dare you say that you're okay with a mass shooting and they're not understanding what I mean by saying I'm okay with it. Right. You know, or, or the, the biggest one that I get when people really don't understand is, you know, how would, I wouldn't have attracted cancer. I wouldn't have attracted, you know, being molested. Well, they're not really understanding at all how law of attraction works. Right. That it's not about sitting and wanting something and it's not about thinking you deserve it. And a lot of people have the, the, the misinformation that you're being punished for something in this life that happened in another life. Nope. You're which is not. not the case at all. We're obviously here living this life and we have the power to shift and change and turn and make our lives whatever the hell we want them to be. It'd be very easy for me to look at my childhood from a victim perspective and say, wow, you know, I was really dealt a bad hand. My dad left when I was six. My mother ended up falling apart, telling me she never wanted me, telling me to kill myself when I was a teenager, you know, then only turn her back on me when I told her I was gay for the rest of her life, 20 plus years, never spoke to me again. 
I had these horrible parents. So this is why I'm not successful. And this is why I'm overweight. And this is why my life doesn't go well. And this is why I can't have a good relationship because my parents and I'm a victim and there's not a damn thing I can do about it. Or maybe I was a bad person in my last life and that's why I had the crappy parents in this life. None of that is true. And I'm living proof of it. I'm living proof that even though it took me a while to figure it out, I had to go through that nasty, you know, all my, my 30s, I was a miserable person that entire decade. Yeah. Miserable. Hated my job, hated myself, hated my marriage, hated my body, you know, and I, and I had all this coming to me, but I wasn't making sense of it. And it's almost like I had to go through that long period yeah. of contrast to really get to a place where I'm like, wow, I'm going to use this to change all of that. Yes, I'm going to change, you know, my appearance. I'm going to change my um, pain. I'm going to get off of any addiction that I'm on. I'm going to learn to be up my spiral. I'm going to learn to be connected to source. I'm going to have, and I had a Kundalini awakening pretty quickly into that. And that was a huge thing when you, you know, ignite that energy in your body and you have that type of connection going, you know, you have such guidance from the universe, from, from source all the time. You know, I've developed, I get yes, no, just like that physically. I don't even have to think about it. It's just like physical response where I get yes, no. Uh, and you'll see me talking. Some, you said something earlier and I jumped and it was a big yes. Uh. <laughs> you know, and I love that. I love that. I, you know, and, and I'm very clear from the stream that, you know, I'm not some special anointed person. You know, we all have this connection. I've just progressed myself to really allow it. And it was a survival technique. I wouldn't be alive right now probably had I continued on the path I was in my early 40s. So where you are at your perspective now, you can look back and say everything that you lived was perfect. It happened perfectly. I wouldn't be here now if I didn't live all that contrast. I wouldn't change one damn thing about it. Now, that's that's an amazing thing because think about going from such confusion to such clarity. That feeling is amazing. And it took the confusion to make me seek out this level of clarity. If I didn't have that, there are plenty of people living semi-comfortable lives who never have to go to that depth and question that much. And I always say, you know, for anybody that's gay uh, listening, that's one of the greatest gifts I ever got. Right. Because that made me question everything from a very early age. I was always that, wait a minute, you're telling me that how I am and who I am is wrong. Right. And then I'm going to question everything you're telling me. Yeah. Because I know this is who I am. I knew I was gay when I was six. Well, social a six million dollar man and think, God, he's a sexy man. I'm like six <laughs> years old. <laughs> social conditioning is responsible for everyone's self-doubt, no matter where they are. Yeah. Because here's how it works. You're a kid. You're coming into this life being perfect. You believe you're perfect. You expect your parents to take care of you when you're a baby. They do. You get everything you need. And then at some point, you cause fear in your parents or in anyone else, and they try to control that fear by telling you what to do. And we interpret it as we're not being good. We're doing something wrong. And if we weren't wrong, they wouldn't be telling us what to do. So we internalize that as imperfection. That's how it starts, which is fine, because it leads us on this trajectory to explore, actually to explore who we're not. And we'd spend a lot of time exploring who we're not. We both did that. And then you get to a stage and says, well, that didn't work. Now I want to explore who I truly am. And then what you're doing is trying to get back to a perspective of yourself that you had when you were first born. So think of that arc. You know, you come in perfect. You adopt limiting beliefs. You get to a point where you realize that limiting beliefs never served you and control doesn't work. And so you go, all right, now let's explore what does work, who I really am. And the difference in feeling between the two is just unbelievable. Satisfying, you know, abundant, love, everything starts working and you become highly effective. That's what's cool about what we're doing. Another thing well, that I've been, people don't so, so very often, and, and that's why I want everybody to, about the gay thing or whatever contrast you're born into. Yeah, everyone's got yeah. something. Yeah, everybody's got something, and, and and the stream has been very clear that those that are born into the greatest degree of contrast are the souls that are looking for the greatest degree of expansion. Right. So when we look at that, you know, starving child in the war torn country, or you know, whatever it is, 
we're not understanding it from their perspective that they manifested that for a reason. Yeah. But it's what they were seeking. From our perspective, we look at that and we say, oh, that's a terrible thing. I'd hate that to happen to me. They're far more prepared for it. But that's not even big contrast because we'll be living what we think is an amazing, you know, or a wealthy Western lifestyle. And then we are spending our whole time looking at what we can't afford from our perspective and what everyone else has. And then having so much self-doubt about that, you know, and maybe hatred for people who have more or envy or whatever it is. And that's true contrast too that a lot of people have. Or how come I can't find a love, you know? How come I can't manifest whatever? And that's, that is a really specific form of exploration too that's never been available before. You go back 100 years ago, everyone's poor, right? No one really knows they're poor because there isn't any examples of wealth. You are, you know, middle class in America and you're like, feel like you're missing the boat. What's wrong with me? How come I'm not succeeding like everyone else seems to be succeeding? That's contrast that's never been available and it's still not available to most human life. And we're, we're all of us who are listening to this are all in that in some extent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, 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 again, just getting down to understanding how your contrast serves you and how your point of entry to this planet was your vibrational alignment and that your parents are supposed to have delivered contrast right. to you. I did that podcast a little while ago. Your parents were supposed to screw you up. Yeah. And they were. That, you know, that, that's a mechanism built by universal design to deliver contrast no matter what yeah. because we're all born up to speed with the time that we come in. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that our parents' values and, and teachings are con- going to completely work for us. And look at our grandparents. They're certainly not going to work for us. Yeah. You know, the way your grandparents lived is not going to work for you at your age in today's life. Yeah, but they don't have as much fear as your parents have, so they don't influence you and tell you you're as wrong as your parents do, generally speaking. Uh, they they have sort of been, gone through the arc of life, right? Yeah, so, and so they're, they're detached from you, uh, but your parents are looking at you like, oh my God, I, I have this idea for a reality show where we take a woman with three kids and we say, okay, you're going to go into the store, the supermarket or whatever, and the kids can do whatever they want, and if you can go 10 minutes without telling them to stop, you'll get a 1000 bucks. That would be hilarious. We just follow with video cameras and the kids are running all over the place and the, the mother's trying to con- contain herself, you know. <laughs> that would be really entertaining. I had an idea, though. If you, if you give the kids five bucks each and say, you can buy one thing with this money, so spend your time looking around for what you want. When you find it, we'll get that for you. Or you give two kids 10 bucks and say, you can buy anything in the store you want with this money, but you have to share or have to agree what that one thing is that you buy. You know, I have this idea that they would just be totally into that experience in a different way than just being bored. Yeah. Well, you know, it would teach them to negotiate and compromise and all that stuff. So it's probably a good exercise for yeah, anybody. That's interesting. Yeah, it only oh. costs 10 bucks. And 10 bucks. <laughs> 10 bucks for not having any scream at them for the whole time. All right. This has been an amazing show. Thanks for being here today. Tell everyone where they can find the great and powerful David Strickle. Uh, so they can find me at thestreamofdavid.com. In fact, uh, I've got a brand new website that just launched yesterday at thestreamofdavid.com. You can go in there and learn all about the Taya spiritual practice. Uh, the podcast is called The Stream of David. It's on Law of Attraction Radio Network. It's also everywhere that you find podcasts. Uh, I channel there almost every episode. Uh, there's a lot of Q&A with the stream. It's a little different than what you do with the roundtable. Uh, and we do mix it up a little bit with different formats and stuff like that. But it's you really start to get a picture of the streams, eternal wisdom and the guidance and, and what they're here to deliver. And I do love the fact that with my intentionality and their teachings, we've sort of shaped it into this really specific spiritual practice that helps you raise your default vibration and really helps you get the tools that you need to get control over your life without, without all of the peripheral modalities that seem to confuse spirituality quite a bit. It really is about your own alignment, your own power, your own energy, and not needing a bunch of tools and things like that that are external from you. Excellent. And if you want to learn more about Joshua, we have 
another podcast, which is Joshua Live, which is me channeling Joshua with a bunch of people asking their questions. Uh, join the Friends of Joshua Facebook group, and you can always go to theteachingsofjoshua.com. We are starting our boot camp number five on Monday, so in three days. And that'll run for eight weeks. You probably will have missed that one if you're listening to this, but we'll have boot camp number six probably in November. So thank you for being here, David. Um, always good to be here. So much fun. Always talk to you. And, uh, and you know, the messages, it's so funny. It's obviously coming from the same place, same consciousness, filtered through people that are a little different. Yep. But we always come back to the same thing. And it's always interesting to explore it from a slightly different perspective. Absolutely. And this... It's, oh, it's one eleven. Look at that. Hour goes by like that. That's how you know when you're in tune with something. When something is blissful, time loses meaning. Time lasts meaning on this show. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine, by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week. <laughs>